Well, let me start with this question. Are you paying attention to God? Are you paying attention to God? I know in a sense that may sound like, well, yeah, I guess so. Like I'm in church, aren't I? I mean, Dave, come on. But I want to really say that the more you think about that question, actually the more difficult it is to answer, I think, in the affirmative at times. I think it's difficult to pay attention to God in our world. I think it's difficult when you, you know, get out of bed in the morning and that to-do list hits you in the face and the busyness of the day and the pressures that you've been wrestling with from yesterday, from within. And if you really stop and ask yourself, do I really pay attention to God? What would your answer be? You know, I believe there are dynamics that we all have to contend with that makes paying attention to God difficult. And what are those dynamics? Well, let's look at, let's look at three of them. Um, they are busyness, noise, and guilt. So let's first of all look at busyness. Um, can you relate to any of the following words when I talk about busyness? Rushed, empty, stressed, fatigued, overloaded. Now, I know some of you are saying, Dave, I, I'm on vacation. I'm not feeling any of those words. But you ask me that in about four weeks from now, I am definitely going to be able to relate to all those words. But which word in the course of your life this coming year do you think you're going to relate to? You know, there's so much to do um, around each one of us waiting to be embraced. You know, I think about this um, smart device that I have here. And uh, it's the size of a, of a good-sized candy bar, like a caramel. And, um, but this, it packs a lot more punch than just sugar and chocolate. Um, I mean, on this little device, I can check and send my emails. I can take pictures. I can record video. I can receive my sports scores. I can, um, uh, you know, download stock market analysis. I can watch movie previews. I can... Um, conduct online banking. I can even play Scrabble with Donelda Barnes. Whoever, do you remember Andy and Donelda Barnes? I play Scrabble with Donelda every week, and she's in Indonesia. Um, I can hear about everyone's latest news, including pictures of their cat on Facebook, <laughs> Jen. Um, and, and of course, um, I'm gonna, I, I can play Clash of the Clans, which I built up my own clan on a game app that really is kind of embarrassing to talk about. Um, you know, I have more data swarming around me today than all the kings of centuries gone past. I mean, I think about kings leading nations 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 300 years ago. They didn't have one bit of the information I've got today right at my fingertips with my smart device. You know, 100 years ago, writes Doug Fields in his book, Refuel, um, mail traveled for weeks on horseback now it zips around the globe in nanoseconds. Today's delivery systems provide me with more speed and information and affluence and education and entertainment than any previous, gen <coughs> excuse me, any previous generation experienced. It can all be overwhelming, and I feel overloaded just writing about it. Our culture, let's be honest, pulses with a busyness that can damage our souls. Peter um, Scazzero uh, author of The Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, has observed, spiritually speaking, there are demonic forces behind our culture that are out to cut you off from your walk with Jesus. They apply constant pressure for us to leave our walk with Jesus, 
Scazzaro goes on to say, many books have been written about the Nazis in the concentration camps. They wanted to make sure the Jews had no time to think about God in those camps. So to prevent that, you know what their number one strategy was? Keep them busy all the time. You know, culture has this dark side to it where it puts this external pressure on us to forget about God. The culture with all the man says, pay attention to me. And now with our devices, it just grabs us even more. You know, our culture of busyness makes us believe certain lies. I mean, listen to these lies. There's, a, there's just not enough time to do everything. The truth is there's always enough time to do what God wants us to do. How about this one? I'm in a busy season right now. The truth is probably we're getting high off of the drug called activity to fill our souls and make us feel significant. Here's another lie. But this is really, really important. The truth is not everything can and is important. Here's another lie. Success and busyness are synonyms. The truth is, in the eyes of many, busyness is sexy. I mean, you know, so often, and and I know walking among leadership circles, I'll meet other pastors and people in other leadership circles. I say, so so how's your life going right now? Oh, I'm busy. Oh, I got this and that and A and B and C and D and all the way to Z. I I just wish once I'd meet a, a healthy leader and say, you know what? I'm in a good place. I'm doing exactly what God wants to do. I got great pace. I got good margin. Life is good. Wow. Um, You know, here's the real sad truth of it. It's that often we're busy supporting choices to make us feel successful. Well, then uh, I think about, um, that's busyness. Then I think about noise. Let's think about noise for a second. You know, we have so much to keep our heads and our souls uh, uh, full of sound. Um, I mean, people are constantly talking on their phones. Um, I know some, uh, and I got to admit, I, I kind of am interested in put, getting that piece of technology, but you know how people can, can wear that thing on their ear so they just like they're walking around talking, you know, all the time, just talking, you know. Hey there. And sometimes, you know what freaks me out? Once in a while when I meet people like that, I think they're talking to me, right? And, I, <laughs> and I'm going... Wow. Um, I f- feel like there's noise behind me here. Anyway, so anyway, no, I'm not losing it at Brentwood Campus. I just want well, you know, and all those who are watching this. Um, you know, and, but let's be honest. Um, people are either uh, talking on their phones or, they're, or now they, here's the other thing, right? They, they've got the little earbud from their iPhone. They've got all their iTunes or anything. They're always, always downloaded and they're just constantly listening. And they got noise going constantly in their head. Um, and, and let's be honest, they also have their TVs on all the time. The thing that amazes me, and I can remember uh, experiencing this over the last number of years, but, but when I stop in to visit someone's home, it amazes me the number of people. Now, you're going to be very, uh, I know you're going to be very paranoid. Next time I come into your home, you're going to go, oh, oh, oh he's, he's watching us. He's making a judgment right now. But the thing that blows me away is the number of people who leave their TV on when, when a, a person comes in to visit them. TV's like, what's going on? I want to go, come on, turn that thing off. This is a real person talking to you. We're into a real relationship, not this digital fabricated virtual world. Come out, come out, be released. Um, anyway, so you know, next time I come visit, just get that TV off right away. <laughs> um, <coughs> um, you know, you think about all the noise that's in our life externally. I feel like the Grinch who stole Christmas. What's that line? And then, oh, the noise. 
Oh, the noise, 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 noise. That's the one thing he hated. Noise, 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 noise. Abu Dhabi. You know, I mean, he couldn't stand it, right? Um, but you know what? There's, that's the external noise that makes it hard for us to pay attention to God. I think there's internal noise that's even louder. Let me suggest three things that, that, that are internal noises for us. Um, worry. Um, we, we try to pay attention to God, and then we're worrying about whatever, our health, our money, our finances, um, whatever. Oh, someone's coming to my rescue here. Thank you. Uh, um, you know, but Jesus tells us, right, who can add a single hour to their life by worrying? Um, another soul noise is want. You know, we, we're trying to pay attention to God, but, but we're, we're thinking about what we want. We, we think about what our neighbor has. We think about, oh, look, they just came back from their big trip to Tahiti. We, we, we look at someone with the newest gadget, and we, we want, we want, and that give me, give me crowds out our ability to pay attention to God because we, we're thinking about everything we want. And here's another one I think that, that and, and, and I raise my hand, this one, I've experienced the noise of this one. It's called the noise of procrastination. When I know I sh- should have done something, I had the opportunity to do it, I didn't do it, and now I'm trying to pay attention to other things. I'm trying to also get my focus on God, but I can hear that steady drumbeat of that duty I was supposed to do. Dave, you're supposed to have done that. Dave, 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 Dave. And it just gets louder in my head, Okay. So those are, those are noises that help, that hinder us from paying attention to God. Here's the last one, right? I said there's three things that stop us from paying attention to God. Busyness, noise, and guilt. And I really want to talk about guilt for a moment here. Um, most Christians claim, if I came to you right now and said, who wants to have a close relationship with God? If you want a close relationship with God, raise your hand. All, you watching this and... Who, who, who does? Who wants a close relationship with God? I mean, who's going to not want to raise their hand? If you didn't raise your hand, I'm coming and talking to you after the service. No, I do not want a close relationship with God. No, no, I'm, I like it 100 miles away from it. Actually, right across the universe. No, all of us say we want to have a close relationship with God. And we know when we read the Bible, there's enough stories in the Bible that give us the sense that the people who have a close relationship with God connect with God on a regular basis. You know, I think about Daniel, for example, in a foreign country, all the cultural pressure on him, and yet it says that he took time to set apart every day where he would pull aside and pray. Actually, that's what got him in trouble and got him thrown in the lion's den because people knew he so consistently prayed and set time aside to connect with God. So we, we know there's this connection between regular connection with God and living a life that's full and rich and, and seems to have a, well, a power beyond us. But when it comes to, and here, let's be honest, and, and this almost comes to any other type of discipline in our life, we may all desire a close relationship with God, but to turn that into a discipline is often another thing. And so guess what? We feel guilty. I know I'm supposed to be connected with God. I know I'm not really doing it, so now I feel guilty. I don't pray enough. I'm not reading my Bible enough. I don't spend enough time with God. And it all adds up to guilt. 
And the guilt only increases when we look at other people, maybe it's in our church family, or what's even worse now with our ability to go check out Christians all over the world. I mean, there's some Christians that just look like they got it all together. And here's the problem. We know all the problems and mess in our life, and we're comparing ourselves to people that we hardly know anything about. And so, of course, we're going to feel guilty. We'll never add up. It's interesting that Jesus had no time for religious leaders who piled on guilt because he knew guilt could be devastating in people's walk with God. Listen to what he says in Matthew 23, verse 4. This is what he said of Pharisees. He says, they crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. Let me say to you that so often, if you are turning your walk with God into some complex multi-layered, duty-filled experience rather than a daily delight, then you are bound to have guilt just be seeping in that will not enrich your intimacy with God. Now, I've taken a fair amount of time so far in this message to, to see, help us all see why connecting with God is challenging. Listen, we have to grasp with what we're up against. I look at you young people, are you paying attention to God? I look at you parents, are you paying attention to God? I look at myself and say as a pastor, am I paying attention to God? Um, you know, consider, consider this quote by Thomas Merton. In his book, Seeds of Contemplation, Thomas Merton writes, we don't, yeah, yeah, let's, let's, yeah, let's bring that up. In his book, Seeds of Contemplation, Thomas Merton writes, we don't receive God easily. I just want to stop and pause there for a second. Listen to that. We don't receive God easily. It's not automatic for us. He goes on to say, um, preferring illusions, we are born self-centered. Our flesh is opposed to God and his reality living within me. How can I say I have found him and found myself in him if I never know him? Now listen to this. Or think of him Never take an interest in him or seek him or desire presence in my soul. I mean, this, this is really the, the, the ultimate challenge. This is our soul challenge. We don't receive God easily. It is easier to get focused on your iPad or your television or your sports scores or your work or your dishes or whatever than it is to pay attention to God. You know what all this leads to, though? Let's go to the next slide is um, the empty gas tank. You know, my son bought a car this past year. It's a nice one. It's nicer than mine. <laughs> and I celebrate that with him. He got a good deal. But what he has discovered is this. No matter how nice the car looks, it is useless without gas. <laughs> and I take great pleasure as he says, I don't have enough money to go here. I go, oh, really? Well... Too bad, I'm going to go drive my own junker now <laughs> because I have gas and you don't. See, if the gas tank is empty, no matter how pretty the car looks, it is pretty useless. It may look nice, but when the tank is empty, it cannot carry out its main purpose. Now, let's just make that <coughs> analogy spiritually. Spiritually speaking, we have this beautiful vehicle called our lives, our souls, but if our souls are running on empty, 
we will not be able to function and live out our main purposes. And what's our main purposes? Kind of tied into our mission statement of the church. Follow Jesus, love God, love others. If you want to love God and love others, you better not have an empty soul because you won't be able to do it. We'll have no spiritual fuel. And let me tell you, when I am running on empty, when I have my spiritual tank hitting E, I hate to admit it, but listen carefully, I want to fill up my soul then with what the world offers. The attractions and the seductions of the world look very good to me. I mean, ultimately, most addictions are really in spiritual nature. When people get drunk, get high on money, get high on drugs, get high on pornography, whatever they're getting high on, they're trying to fill their souls rather than really filling it with God. You know, when I'm running on empty, I find here are some of the signs. Maybe, maybe you'll find this similar for yourself. I am more selfish with my time. I am impatient. I lack compassion for those who are hurting. I am more vulnerable to temptation. I am short with people. I am disobedient. I feel distant from God. I feel cynical. My insecurities are more prevalent I begin to look to other things that only God can fill. And finally, I'm critical in speech and in my thoughts. You know, the irony of living on empty is that we often find ourselves in this state, and I hate to say this, but while we're serving God. Now think about that. We get, we're empty even though we're serving God. Um, Scazzaro, and again in his book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, says one of the symptoms of emotionally unhealthy spirituality is doing for God instead of being with God. And that's always one of my biggest fears when I see people serving in the church or or saying, I'm going to do this, I'm going to serve God. There is nothing wrong. God calls us to serve him, but it cannot replace being with him. Um. You know, work for God that is not nourished by a deep interior life with God will eventually be contaminated by such things as ego and power and needing approval and the mistaken belief that we can't fail. Listen, our activity for God has to flow from a life with God. Otherwise, I'll be honest with you, you'll maybe serve God for a while and say, that's it, can't do it, not, 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 not working for me. Your activity for God has to flow from a life with God. You know, the other thing about the empty gas tank is that we can pretend everything is okay. You see, the tough thing, the nice thing about an empty gas tank in a real car is that once it's empty, there's no hiding it. But when you make the comparison to our spiritual lives, people can pretend everything's still okay, even though they're empty. You know, what's really worse is that people begin to really believe that that's what faith is all about, having an empty gas tank. And they begin to, let me, uh, let me unpack this for a second, compartmentalize their faith. They start to say, well, there's really not a lot to this thing of faith. It's good to know that there's a God, and I guess I got a ticket to heaven. But as far as living life with passion and with strength beyond myself, with spiritual uh, uh, fervor, That doesn't really happen. So guess what? We begin to compartmentalize our lives and we say, well, I got enough. I got enough in me, my own resources, certainly not God because I don't have a life rich in God right now, but I got enough in me, just enough for maybe a service once in a while at church. 
That's about all I got. And then I start to live a life called the Las Vegas faith. You know, remember the old ad campaign for Las Vegas? What happens in Las Vegas stays in Las Vegas. Well, there's, well when we start to compartmentalize our, our lives because we're living on empty, we got our saying, which is this. What happens away from church stays away from church. What happens away from church, well, that does nothing to do with my spiritual life. Now, why is making a connection with God so important? Jesus asked this question, listen, is there anything worth more than your soul? Take everything you have, all your dreams, your possessions, your hopes, your desires, and put them on this side of the scales. Your, your, your money, your RESP, your family, everything. Put it all on this side and then put your soul on this side. Which one weighs more? Jesus says this one would just drive all that up. This, this weighs far more. This is far more important. Um, your soul is the invisible part of you that connects you with God. It's what makes you different from all other life forms. Your soul is the real you. Your body will die, but your soul will live on. That, your soul will go into the presence of God. You know, your soul then needs a fullness that can only come through connecting with God in the rhythms of life. If you don't take care of your soul, then what does it matter if you gain the whole world? So much is at stake do you really want power for living? Listen to Jesus. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches and those who remain in me and I and them will produce much fruit. Now catch this next line that Jesus says about remaining in me, being connected. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Do you want guidance in life or do you just want to kind of go out for a walk until you die? Well, then staying connected means I, I will keep in step with the Spirit of God and God will direct my path both in the big moments and in the small ways which all matter in seeking to be obedient to Him. Do you want to be prepared for eternity where you will begin the adventure of being in the very presence of God forever? Well, guess what? Practice connecting with God now. I mean, um, look at it this way. If you don't want to be in God's presence right now, if you can't say, I don't have time to do this, get connected with God on a regular basis, then why do you think you want to be in his presence for eternity forever? I like what the late Dallas Willard said, heaven is reserved for those who can stand it. So I've been really trying to make a case here that paying attention to God is absolutely critical but it's really challenging. Let's be honest. Do you find it challenging? Right? So let's come up with the last thing I want to do, whether you're watching this via videocast or on, on your, on your uh, computer or whether you're watching this live, the last thing I want to do is do what Jesus said about, about the Pharisees. You know, you make religious demands that are burdensome on everyone. I don't want to create more guilt, but I want to create a doable step that helps us connect with God on a regular basis. So what's that doable step? Well, it's found in Psalm 46.10. And it's so simple, it's almost frightening. 
But, but I want us all to say it together here. It's, it's, it's Psalm 46.10, so let's say it together. Be still and know that I am God. I, I, let's say it one more time because this is so important. This is the big step. Be still and know that I am God. Now, there's two, two verbs here, be still and know. And what do those two verbs mean? Because together they make up the doable step. Well, stillness um, simply means this. It means to be weak, to let go, to release. There's other versions that would, would translate that Hebrew word into cease striving. Stop being active. Because, you see, the pagans who don't believe in God realize if I don't keep moving, the whole thing falls apart. It all depends on me. But those moments when we stop, we're saying, God, I'm trusting that you're in control. Actually, I like how Eugene Peterson in the message translates this passage. He says, step out of the traffic. Do you always have to be in the traffic? Step out and rest. And then there's that second word, no. And no means this. It, it, it carries the idea of being recognized and intimacy and it's perceived and confessed and acknowledged. It carries the idea of deep awareness. I mean, we may say <coughs> we know someone, but simply mean we know of his or her existence. But in the Hebrew thought, one can only know someone if they have a personal, intimate relationship. In Genesis 18, 19, God says about Abraham, I know him meaning he has a very close relationship with Abraham. So, so here's the thing. If we're going to connect with God, we've got to be still and know that I am God. Now, now, how does that look? How does that help us connect with God? Well, let me just unpack it one more step then, because you go, okay, Dave, I'll be still and know that, that who God is. I'll, I'll do that. But what does that really mean? How, do, how does that really play itself out? Well, I'm going to suggest that there are um, four steps that we can do regularly that will help us to be still and know. That just flows out of this idea. And here they are. You have to stop. You have to find silence. You have to let Scripture speak to you. And then you have to speak. There they are, four S's. Stop, silence, Scripture, speak. Okay? Now, how do we do that? Well, let's just look at these four words really quick. Stop. This is an invitation to bring to a halt your mind and body's movements, to momentarily ignore responsibilities, and to do, um, and to do lists. It doesn't have to be a long stop. The stop can be five minutes. It can be two minutes, 30 seconds. We, we need to learn to create pauses in order to refuel our souls just as you can't refuel your car in motion. I mean, no one drives by the Salisbury Road Mall here and, you know, at the gas bar and, like, you know, just keeps going and says, boy, I hope that, that gas line goes with me. You, what do you have to do? You have to stop the car to fill up the tank, right? In fact, you have to turn the engine off even, right? It's illegal, right, to keep the car going. Well, the same with us. We have to stop. You know, the implication means, though, stopping in this real world, and you're saying, Dave, you know, I, 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 I think of these images of these monks who are in these temples, you know, hum, hum, I mean, something like that, you know, you're thinking, I don't have time to go to a temple, I don't know where a temple is. And then there's others who are thinking, well, you know, it'd be so nice if I had a nice big field out back and we could all go and hold hands and sing kumbaya, my Lord, or something like that. 
And you're saying, you know, if I could stop like that, Dave, oh, it'd be so nice. I could get so centered on God. But you're saying, Dave, I live in an apartment building and traffic's reaming all around me. So let's be real, but what does it mean to stop in the real world? You know, <coughs> I would say, first of all, it means finding small margins of stopping your day. Can I suggest different ways you can stop? For example, you drive home in your car, and before you run out of your car and run into your home to start with your next to-do list, take a moment of 60 seconds, two minutes, and stop and say, God, thank you for this day. Help me to hear your voice. Help me to focus in on to be still and know that you are God. You pause. Find those moments. Look for that long lineup in the grocery store and, and say, good, this is going to let me slow down and stop for a moment. And as you go, pray for the people around you and pray for your family, pray for your friends that you'll be a witness for him. Look for those moments to stop throughout your day. You know, I can remember Megan when she was young, my daughter. And she used to like to talk to me all the time. And sometimes I'd be trying to do other things while she's talking to me. And she'd grab my face and say, Daddy, look at me. Stop. I want to talk to you. i go, oh, good. But she'd grab my face. And you know what? I think, I think God at times wants to grab our face and say, stop. Stop saying yes to everything. Stop spending your time on trivial things. Stop playing with that iPad all the time. Stop watching TV all the time. Stop saying even to good things, yes to good things, and not making any time for me. Stop. Here's the next one, silence. Create some silence. Find some silence. When sound is muted, you know what happens when things get quiet? The resulting quiet forces us to think, reflect, and examine our inner lives. And let me suggest something to you. I think that's why a lot of people like to keep the noise on all the time. Because if all of a sudden they start to go to their inner life, guess what they find? It's dark, it's lonely, and it's confusing. So just crank up the volume, keep it going. But when you turn it down, you start to think. Um... You know, I think of that classic encounter of the prophet Elijah with God in 1 Kings 19. Remember when he was in the cave and, and God says, go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire. I mean, there was a storm, there was an earthquake, there's fire, everything's exploding around. But the Lord, it says, was not in the fire. And after the fire, and I love this, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Do you want silence? Let me suggest something very practical in your life. When during the week will you just take those five minutes, those two minutes, those 30 seconds and turn off the power buttons to all the things that make noise? It's called a power button. Turn it off. Create some silence. So we have to stop. We have to create moments of silence. And then we have to have Scripture speak to us. Psalm 19, 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. The Scriptures, please understand something. Why is the Bible so important? The Scriptures reveal God's will to us. 
You know, we believe that all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects what, what, where we're wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. When you read God's word, God not only speaks so much from the past, he is speaking to us presently through his Holy Spirit in a dynamic way into our souls. God's Spirit will lead us in the truth of knowing Him. I like what Psalm 119 verse 11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. How often do we sin against God simply because we do not know His will, simply because we do not know His word? I love what Jesus says. You search the Scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But then He says, but the Scriptures point to me. When you know God's word, you know Jesus, and you're connected to the vine. And remember, without him, you can't do nothing. So let's search the scripture so we may know God. And finally, I said, remember I said that be still and know includes those four things? They include stop, silence, scripture, and finally speak. This is the time you get to speak. I think of what it says in Psalm 5.3. In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait in expectation. Psalm 55, verse 17. Morning, noon, and night, I cry out in my distress, and the Lord hears my voice. I believe when we connect with God, God does want to hear from us too. It's after we've heard from him, right? We've stopped, we've been silent. We let the scriptures speak to us. God speaking to us, revealing himself to us. Now we speak back to him. We lay out our requests. We speak honestly. We talk about our fears. We talk about our hopes. We share our concerns. We share our petitions. We share our words of praise to him. You know, when I talk about this, you know what I'm really speaking about, right? I'm talking about prayer, right? When we speak, we need to progress more. You know what's sad is that for a lot of us, and, and this is an okay place to start. When we come to God, our Father, we, it's, it's like a little child. Give me, give me, give me more, oh God. And that's every one of our prayers. Give me, 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 oh God. And God loves us enough to start there with us. But at some point, we need to mature in our prayers where we can say, I delight in your presence, O oh Lord. Better is one day in your house than a thousand elsewhere. So, so there's the doable step. Be still and know. Now let me, let me just remind you though one thing. What are the benefits of this? What are the benefits of connecting with God on a regular basis, of being still and knowing that I am God? Let me just remind you of these benefits. I believe when you connect with God on a regular basis, you will be guided by the Spirit of God. I think you will start to find your design for greatness because now you're living a life to glorify God and that makes life amazing, not just surviving. You will start to be tapped into the power source for your souls. Psychologically, you're going to start getting more emotionally healthy because you're going to have to start dealing with your emotions. You're going to also have the strength to face spiritual warfare. You're also preparing yourself for eternity. You're also going to start to gain freedom. 
You know, the biggest question in life is not, are you happy? The question in life is, are you free? And when you're connected with God, you start to get free. But can I tell you the biggest benefit? When you really get connected with God on a regular basis, you're going to love God more and you're going to start to love others more. Can I tell you what's really strange sometimes? People who act really spiritual but don't like other people, that makes no sense to me. That is what is called incongruent. But when you really spend time with God, not only do you have presence for God and see God everywhere now in your life more, but you start to see the presence of others. So, in other words, in other words it means you're going to love well and you're going to live well. Well, I've got to land this plane right now. I spoke, how long am I going now, Todd? You forget, okay, who cares? All right. I pray it won't be 42 minutes like it was in my last message, but here we go. I just want to end on this. I want to end on a very practical plan. You can say, okay, so, uh, so the key verse here is, is I'm going to connect with God. I got to be still and know that, that I am God. Okay, be still and know. And we know that there's, actually, let's just review. And those of you watching this, you can say them with me. What are the four things we can do to be still and know? We can stop, silence, scripture, speak. Now, let me just end with a very simple plan. Um, and this is a suggested plan. This is not an ordered plan, just a suggested one. But I think of Psalm 55. It says, morning, noon, and night, um, I cry out in my distress. Morning, noon, and night. Can I suggest that you intentionally stop three times a day? Three times a day. So stop in the morning and morning doesn't mean 4 a.m. If, if it's 4 a.m., great. If it's 7 a.m., great. If it's 10 a.m., great. Find some time in the morning for you where you can stop for a couple of minutes, read some scripture, and create some silence. By the way, this is probably in the morning, the be, I'm, just a suggestion, this is the time you can use all the devotional resources that are available on the internet. Great resources out there. Go to Version. got great Bible reading plans. You can follow a Bible reading plan as part of your morning moment of connection with God. But here's the problem. Some of us think, and if that's all you can do right now, great. Please understand. Great step. Do that regularly. But here's the thing. I don't know about you, but I find by the time I get to noon, I'm already, I've already lost the glow. I need to reconnect again with God. But here's the thing to do at lunchtime. Because you say, I'm working, I'm busy, I'm driving. Do this. Just take a minute and Stop. And just say the prayer of Psalm 46.10. Lord, help me to be still and know that you are God. And I, I challenge you, give it one minute, 60 seconds. And just say that over and over again if you have to. Center yourself, God, help me to be still and know that you are God. And then in the evening, end the day. And if your day, if you're, if you're wasted at five o'clock because you're so tired, then end, let your day end there. If it's later in the evening, but before you go to bed, take a moment again. And let me suggest this. Take one passage that you're going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to hide this word into my heart. So take Psalm 23, for example, and just read that every night, Psalm 23, for a season of time. And say, God, here's the end of the day. You are my shepherd. I shall not want. I thank you for leading me beside still waters. Thank you for guiding me in paths of righteousness. And yes, even if I walk through the valley of shadow, death. I will fear no evil for you or my God are with me. And God, thank you for this day. And thank you. And thank you for your grace for the thing I said to my fellow employee. I wish I'll look tomorrow. Yes, Lord, you're, you're, you're speaking to me right now. I'll, I'll go and apologize. And Lord, thank you again. 
and you, and, you, and you end the day. Morning, noon, and night, I cry out to my God. Suggest, go for it, try it. Start that journey of regularly connecting with God. If you can only do a part of it, great. But take those steps. Okay, now, everybody who's watching this, we're going to actually do it right now. It's great to talk about it, but we're going to do it. And, and we're going to play a video that maybe you've seen before, but it's worth watching right now. It takes a minute and 30 seconds, and we're going to stop silence. Let God's word speak to us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, help us to be still and know that you are God. Amen.